Welcome to Ausfilm Creatives, a podcast about Australian creatives working behind the camera. My name is Peter Sylvester and I'm your host. Welcome to the show. This uh, little intro is a little bit about who I am and what the goal of this podcast will be. So you may have guessed I work in the film industry. Uh, I work as a cinematographer and colorist in Australia. I was born in Hungary, but I pretty much consider myself an Australian. I guess going back to my early life of why and what made me get into films, I would say one of my earliest memories that really, I guess, inspired me to do, make films in some f- shape or form. It was uh, back in Hungary when I was five years old and saw E.T. at the cinemas. It would have been in Hungarian dub, but I've seen the film lots of times in English since, so that's how I remember it. And I just re- remember very vividly wanting to know how to be in that world. So I, I didn't really have an idea of what filmmaking was, but just how to be in it and how to kind of create something like that. And later on, I actually saw NeverEnding Story as well. It may have been a, a year later, I'll say. And that was, yeah, it, again, it was just so interesting and visual. And I guess that always stuck with me, that kind of genre filmmaking, because it, you know, it just showed that the medium can show live action fantasy visuals. And that was, yeah, that was really exciting for me and I I kind of always loved movies ever since then. And once we moved to Australia in 1990, so I think I just turned 10 years old or just before, one of the biggest impacts was in that teenage years was uh, Aliens, like that film, still my favourite. Nothing's really kind of taken that mantle because to me it's just a film that encompasses everything great about films and storytelling and it's got a full gamut of action, adventure, drama, romance, comedy and to me that's what a great film is. So luckily during high school days I met some friends who also obviously love movies and back in the 90s it's very different to today but back then I guess you had VHS and you could go to the movies but you probably rewatched the same movie because you didn't have that kind of instant access you do today. So, you know, we would just be all our favourite movies we would just watch all the time, all the big action movies, you know, being young boys, we're into that kind of action thing and managed to get a video camera from the school that let students use for their own little projects. And, um, yeah, so we would basically try and imitate action movies, Predator, Aliens, Indiana Jones, all those kind of movies and try to create, recreate some of the scenes but like make spoofs of them as well. So we try to create our own little story around it. And, um, yeah, we made a heap of those kind of films and had a lot of fun. You know, it didn't really take it seriously but, you know, we, we took it to the next level. You know, I had an old computer, uh, an Atari ST where we'd get samples and put all the gun sounds in and, use two VHS recorders and trying to overlap the edit and, you know, add soundtrack to it and voiceover and things like that. So 
you know, we had no training. We just kind of made it up as we went from what we knew from books and some behind the scenes, you know, videos or movies that we, that, um, we might have seen back then. And later in my life, um, I uh, finished school and then decided I needed to do something that I, you know, something practical. I looked around for universities, but back then in the, in the late 90s, there wasn't a huge amount unless you had high qualification, you could get into the more prestigious film, sort of film and um, acting type of uh, schools. But I didn't really have that, didn't really have the money. And, yeah, ended up studying three years at a TAFE course, which is a more of a trade college. And really it was the best thing ever because it was just all practical. There was a little bit of theory, uh, maybe one day out of the week, um, but it was, yeah, pretty much they um, they just let us run and, and gave us projects to do and, and also ended up doing real-world things uh, where it was to live-to-air TV, um, but also they had really quite a good range of equipment for us to to shoot with. They had all the lighting gear. They had the best kind of video cameras you could have at the time. But also we also had access to all film cameras from 8 mil to 35 mil. Um, so, we, you know, we learned everything there. We started with when, when we before we started shooting film, we actually had to study uh, black and white photography and color photography, but basically doing it the, from the get go. So you did the processing and enlarging and all that. So you really figured it out how to shoot on film as well before even going to motion picture, which was you know great. Yeah. So basically, we ended up shooting a lot of uh, little short films. Uh, had experience shooting documentaries and, like I said, real world things where we actually did projects for people, music clips. And yeah, that was really, um, really important for me because I'm, I'm, I guess, a very practical person in a way. And basically after that, I guess the, the reality check came and uh, realized that uh, it's not so easy getting into films and, and once unless you've kind of found a crew. And, you know, I tried that. I, I really tried to get work on different films and work on short films and um things like that but the problem was they they were always unpaid work and you know and you spend a month of your life while still working at a job to try to you know pay the bills because a lot of these films didn't pay us any money and then at the end of it they never get finished so it was quite heartbreaking and it was a bit of a you know real reality check and I kind of was trying to figure out how do I move on from here and you know, trying to get, you know, you do your normal canvassing and try to get work on things, but just you know, a lot of knockbacks. We've all been through that. So I, I actually decided I, in my 20s to kind of save up and start buying equipment myself. And yeah, and I sort of throughout there, started doing little projects um, and started a video production business called Living Lens. And uh, yeah, and from there, you know, we really, I, I really got to evolve as a filmmaker because not only did I learn, obviously get even better at the craft of filming and editing and shooting, but also how to deal with people at different levels, different professional levels. Um, You know, clients uh, can really teach you a lot of things and patience and things like that. And so, yeah, that's really added a lot to my life skills. 
you know, spent about seven years on that business and then uh, slowly started getting back into trying to work on short films and trying to do more creative work again. Um, but now I had at least equipment with me that I could kind of offer if, if it came to, if it needed to be. And um, so that friend, uh, Matthew, from back back at school, I kept in touch with him and he worked on, he ended up working um, as a stop motion animator because that was sort of his first love, um, doing commercials. And then he ended up actually making his first fe- feature film, like entirely on, on his back, like just on weekends. And it was a period piece, so it was like pretty crazy. But, you know, he he continued trying to make films uh, in the meanwhile. And so he'd um, we'd been keeping in touch and he'd, I guess, seen obviously all the work I've been doing. Um, and so we decided to see, let's see if we can do something together that, that uh, to see how we work as well because, I mean, you know, high school and then almost 20 years later, um, yeah, you don't know how, how we'll work together. So... We um, decided to make a little um, short horror called The Artifice and, yeah, and it just worked, you know, it worked out really well. Like we, within that two day, two and a half days I think we shot for, um, we were, you know, doing everything shorthand uh, halfway through probably the project. We just we just knew exactly what we, um, how we worked and, and what we understood, you know, as far as filmmaking with that film, I, I did the color grading and the VFX as well. So, um, yeah, it was pretty pretty crazy, but it was a really good experience. Um, and the great thing is as well for the tech nerds, I guess, that, you know, we shot that back then. This was 2014. I had a, a um, Canon 5D Mark III, but I um, we decided to try and shoot with the experimental raw hack that some geniuses came up with. And it worked amazing. Like we had, I think, one, maybe one hiccup where we might have lost a few seconds and then that's it. But it ended up being my first ever digital project that I shot raw. You know, at this stage I still hadn't had access to red cameras and any of those cameras back then. But it paid off. Like we screened it at Astor Theatre in Melbourne, which is like a massive uh, they usually project seventy mil films and things like that there, and I, I you know, I was, uh, I was kind of yeah, pretty worried how it's going to look, but yeah, it really held up, and I was quite surprised, and you know, people had uh, really uh, been blown away, surprised that it was shot on a Canon RAW camera, not a like a higher end cinema camera. So after we finished that film, and that and the Matthew had put it into festivals, we talked about doing something he'd been working on for years and years researching, uh, which was about the bushranger uh, Ben Hall. So he's uh, not so well known, you know, across the world people know Ned Kelly more so, but, you know, his was quite an interesting story and Matthew had been working on that because Ned Kelly had already been done a few times and he just he wanted to make a bushranger film, but very historically correct. And, uh, yeah, so he came up with the idea that maybe why don't we see if we can get the interest of people that really love historical films and obviously support. And so he did a Kickstarter campaign later in the year uh, to do a 30-minute short film, uh, just a section of it. I think it was the last, I don't know, it would have been the last 90 days, I think, of Ben Hall. And 
And so, yeah, we raised over 100000 It was just amazing for an Australian Kickstarter campaign for a short project to raise that much money was just, you know, amazing. And for me, it was like, this is freaking amazing. Like, because I had been such a fan of Western specifically. And yeah, Bushranger is not the same level, but it still has that, you know, period piece and that real raw stuff. And, and this story was very much about that. It was a lot of stuff outdoors and, you know, how these Bushrangers lived um, off the country and, and just roam the country in, in, but in an Australian setting. And favourite Westerns are Sergio Leone Westerns, so The Good, Bad and the Ugly and Once Upon a Time in the West and Fistful of do- Dollars. As a, as a kid, you know, seeing all those amazing Westerns where it was it felt a lot more raw than Hollywood films did and, yeah, I just really was like, wow, I'm re- I was so inspired and I, I was like, yeah, let's let's do this and let's see if I can bring some of that in, some of those um, inspirations from, from the Sergio Leone films. So we we got the money and it was an insane two weeks of filming. It was just nuts. Like, you know, obviously pretty much everyone worked for very little money, if nothing at all. And, um, and you know, everyone had to stretch themselves to make this film. But, you know, luckily there was – we had a good crew and it was very passionate. Um, although – it was hard, very hard shooting for me as a DP because so many people were volunteering their time. So I unfortunately didn't um, have a consistent crew throughout. It, uh, yeah, it would made it hard because you know you'd have a camera assistant for a few days and it would change. So yeah, that was um, that was in- insane. But uh, Matt has a very uh, strong will, and and during the production he just you know, exhumes endless energy to keep people pushing and the crew to, to complete the film. And so this actually became a feature film down the track. So what had happened is there, there was a trailer cut and the some of the right people saw the trailer and they just went, wow, this, this looks like a, a big sprawling epic. You know, it needs to be a feature film. So luckily uh, got a few producers on board that, that found more money and, and Raised enough budget, still was on a very ridiculously low budget for, you know, imagine this, this is all, you know, 90% of the film was shot outside. Um, so it was all outdoor where, you know, it was all nature. It was a period piece. So it was all costumes. Everything had to be, you know, none of this stuff existed. So they had, the budget was very, very, very tight. <laughs> um but, you know, like the feedback we got from seeing people saw that trailer and they went, wow, this looks like a multi-million dollar uh, production. Um, you know, they were just amazed some of the feedback we got. So luckily within a few months, so we shot that at 2.14 uh, September-ish, August, September, and then we went back on pre-production at around, um, it would have been, I think it was March next year. And... You know, the, the film, Matt's original idea, he already had uh, a massive script. He, already, he had an original 300-page script that we worked off. So he obviously still had to cut it down because that was still too big. Um, but, you know, there was, a, there was a very large amount of story to be told and so it wasn't hard to, you know, it wasn't about extending a short film into 
a feature film. It was just that this was a, a method to see if we can make it in, you know, see if we can get the money to make uh, a feature film and, and basically just embed some of the footage. Which, you know, some of the footage we shot, we did have to reshoot uh, because uh, t- timing-wise and, and um, some of the things didn't work for the feature-length script. Um, but, yeah, so that's how essentially Legend of Ben Hall was born. And um, it, uh, yeah, it took, I think, around 10 weeks of shooting. Uh, maybe, you know, it had a okay amount of pre-production time. And we also even ended up shooting a miniature shoot later down the track when um, post-production was well, in, well, well on the way um, because we obviously couldn't afford to build a back lot or a, a small town or, you know, they don't really exist. Um, so, yeah, we had to make up some miniature shoots and do some VFX and insert people and things like that. But, you know, we, we still got lucky. There were There's a couple of scenes where um, we found a location, an ex-TV uh, series set that was, you know, set during those kind of 1800s time. And so we could use some of that as well. So, yeah, we got lucky in a lot of ways. It was still extremely hard work. Like it just was, uh, yeah, wasn't the, um, I guess for a f- first feature film for myself, it was a real mind-opening experience. Like it just, I grew thousand thousandfold just through that process. And, um, yeah, it made me realise, you know, to get through a film, you, to stay consistent was probably the biggest challenge when you, are so limited with budget. And yeah, so I mean I it was a lot riding on my shoulders, obviously even more so for Matt directing the film. But, you know, it uh it it really the payoff was that people saw the cut at the end and it, you know, people said, Oh, this looks like a multi million dollar film and you know, eight, nine million dollars kind of thing. So that really showed the skill of everyone involved, how, you know, what we achieved as a film. And so, you know, it did, it was full of compromises and, you know, every department had to compromise in some way. You know, the, the production designer, Das, he, like what they did with the, the minimal money and just resources by finding, you know, off cuts and things like that to try and build some of the facades that they built outside. And obviously when we did have a, a, um, studio shoot um but yeah it just was uh <laughs> everyone involved was just amazing so on that project after they've spent a long time on the edit i actually still i did the color grade and luckily i could do a lot of it at home because unfortunately uh, i i needed that time because what had happened is on set we were there was no dit no people that would look through your footage and, and check if it's right or correct it to be ready for, you know, post-production. So everything I got and whatever cameras we had available. So also the other big thing is we had variations of red cameras, so they didn't actually look the same. Um, and then we also had some Canon um, footage and and even Panasonic GH4 footage. Um, so, you know, there was a lot of uh, footage that needed to be matched and, and made sure it's all right. So I, I luckily got to spend a little bit of time at home on my own little studio to color grade it and then uh, go into the proper grading suite to just to make sure everything's right and spend a couple of weeks on that. So, yeah, so the, the payoff was, uh, I guess, bittersweet. We, you know, we had really good responses from local people and um, the biggest 
uh, hurdle we had was unfortunately we didn't get the the support of the larger cinemas. We just you know couldn't get the money um, to promote the film well enough, so that it couldn't be picked up in the normal cinemas. So in Australia, unfortunately, it didn't do that well. You know, it did screen in thirty or thirty or forty cinemas um, during a one week period and stuff. And but luckily in the US, we had a pretty good reception for it. Not in the cinemas, just um, all the other platforms like streaming and buying DVDs, you know, sold a lot of units. And so, yeah, the film film was fairly well received as always is there was going to be negative and positive reviews. You know, I, I managed to win a few awards for it, for the cinematography. So, you know, that says a lot. I mean, it's not just me that won it, but a few others have won other things on the project, but uh, it's everyone included that made the film look as good as it is. So that took a, you know, I probably spent a total of two years on that project because I'd spent a lot in, you know, pre-pre-production with Matt going through things and how to make it work. And then in post, uh, I did a lot of other things as well. I was visual effects supervisor, so I had to deal with that. There's a lot of other little, little things I had to be part of it until it finally got out and got to see it on the big screen. But it's an amazing feeling when you get to see your first feature film on the big screen and people receiving it so well. And um, and that's something, you know, that, that hopefully no filmmaker or cinematographer or any filmmaker takes it for granted because I think it's so valuable to, to complete a project and see it at the end there. And um, I guess uh, from there I, I continued working on uh, short films, uh, mini documentaries, music clips, and I'm attached to several feature films in the future, so hopefully uh, the money comes through and uh, we get to make a another feature film, you know, all different genres. But it's uh, Trials and Tribulations getting a film made in Australia because money's so small, such a small industry. And, yeah, and and to make money from it, it's uh, much harder. So that's essentially what I've been working on and who I am. And I guess I really wanted to start a podcast because I don't have access easily to, to people and, you know, and and see what other professionals are doing and talking to them about it, you know, as, and specifically Australians because, like I said, it's a, it's a tough industry here. It's a, it's tough in, in the US, of course, but here you do have very, very little money. You can't just, you don't, you, there's no big projects. Like, yes, we sometimes get some of the bigger US films coming here and we, we may end up working on them, but uh, we certainly, um, yeah, if you wanted to make your own, story there's very little money here and uh yeah so it's a tough industry so i kind of wanted to talk to other filmmakers but basically anyone working behind the camera really i want to focus on the unsung heroes that we don't really get to hear from you know so even though like um i'm a cinematographer and this season i'll I'll, we'll focus mostly on cinematographers uh, but I really want to get other creative roles behind it, you know, gaffers, makeup artists, production designers, art directors, camera operators, you know, any anyone that kind of impacts how this that sto- story is told and, and also maybe roles that, you know, people don't know that well to hear their stories and, you know, what if it involves them making it. I'd also really like to try and cover, I guess, in-depth discussions about their workflow and processes and who they are and experiences and, and, you know, some interesting stories um, and their take on the industry. So 
hopefully the guests that I have lined up will cover some of those things. And I will also be getting Australians who are working abroad, whether it's in LA or Europe somewhere. It's, uh, yeah, just be interesting to hear how Australians have transitioned from Australia to the other countries. And, and I'm interested to see how possibly it is, you know, what how they see those industries compared to Australia and um, I guess what we have to offer and, you know, they're kind of hardworking because of the, um, I guess, that very mentality of working with as little as possible. So, yeah, I'd be, I really hope that you'll join me and um, hear the perspectives from other people. And uh, so I guess that's about it for me. And to get things rolling, our very first podcast will be with Abraham Joff ACS who actually was the cinematographer of the year for ACS, Australian Cinematographer Society. So it'd be really interesting. He's a very self-made filmmaker. So he's done a Netflix series called Tales by Light and a beautiful, amazing cinematography. The first episode will be released on the 27th of May on the Monday and will be followed with fortnightly releases on every Monday after that. So make sure to subscribe on your favorite podcasting platform that you like to use. It will be available on iTunes, on the website. You can follow us on Facebook, Instagram. So it'll be all there. Hopefully you follow my journey and learn some great little nuggets on the way as well. And I look forward to sharing all our stories from all our different filmmakers. Mm-hmm.